Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where not two, but three friends and super fans analyze and review the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. So wait, th- three friends? Three wait friends. Wait a minute. Wh- three? Hold on, tell me. Why-, why is there three this week, Caitlin? <laughs> well, we were joined by my best friend, Jenna Lenskold. And for those of you who've been listening since the beginning of the series, you'll know that I mentioned her back in like I guess our introductory episode but um she traveled with me to Wilmington twice or one of those times we met Hillary Burton which was super super exciting and we toured yeah. Tree Hill so much fun and I felt like this episode with her was awesome because we got to discuss like so many of the different characters and the different relationships and dynamics so overall this was a really great episode yeah, and I think we probably had one of the longest spoiler segments we have had. <laughs> yeah. so. Yep, lots to talk about. <laughs> so if anybody is like looking at the times, I don't even know what the length will be at this point, but if you see that it's freakishly long, most of that is a spoiler segment. <laughs> so, yeah, so, we had a lot of fun. Yes, all the super fans, you'll love the spoiler segment, I'm sure. <laughs> Yes, we talked about some of our favorite bottle episodes of One Tree Hill, and I'm using that in giant air quotes because this episode of One Tree Hill is kind of a bottle episode. It's just so if anybody wants to email us and says, this is not a bottle episode. Yeah, we we know. (laughs) We're using that term very, very loosely here. But yeah, that spoiler segment was very exciting. Sure was. I can't wait to have Jenna back on for a season two episode. Yes. And um, I gotta say, um, I really felt seen by Jenna in this episode because (laughs) she and I agreed on one of the greatest ships of all time on the show. (laughs) I knew it. That's what you were getting at. (laughs) And you'll find out what that is soon. Oh, so It's very excited. But yeah. (laughs) So Jenna joins us for Season 1, Episode 18, To Wish Impossible Things, which was written by the creator of the show, directed by Billy Dixon, and originally aired on April 13th, 2004. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. It's the annual boy toy auction. Players from the basketball team show off on the runway stage and the girls bid on them in order to raise money for charity. Each winner gets the boy for one special night that ends with a kiss. Deb bids on Tim because she feels bad there aren't any other bidders. She tells him he's going to get dirty with her. So when he gets (laughs) to her house, he strips down to his speedo. But oops, turns out Deb just needed help cleaning. And of course, Dan walks in to see the sights. Haley decides to bid on Lucas to reconnect with her best friend. During the night, they have a water balloon fight, and Lucas accidentally sees Haley's new tattoo, Nathan's jersey number. Peyton bids on Jake, but Nikki secretly outbids her. Jake and Nikki have an interesting evening of arguments about Jenny and their shared past. Even though Nikki wants forgiveness, it looks like Jake can't bring himself to forgive her for abandoning their daughter. To help Haley keep the other bidders away from Nathan, Peyton bids on him and wins. The former lovers have fun in the pool outside Nathan's apartment, and Nathan admits he truly wants to be a better guy for Haley. Finally on good terms, Peyton and Nathan follow the auction rules and share an innocent kiss, but Lucas sees the act and thinks it's something more. 
Brooke makes a last-minute bid on Mav, who wasn't even technically part of the auction. She gives him a night he won't forget, filled with lap dances from strippers and other wild surprises. They also have a more serious conversation about what girls really want in a relationship. The kids aren't the only ones having fun. Karen and Larry have dinner together and spontaneously go to Tree Hill High's football field to open the time capsule they buried long ago. Later in the night, Larry admits to Karen that he likes her and leans in for a kiss. Taking Whitey's advice about not wasting any more time in his life, Keith goes to Karen's house and surprisingly proposes to her. And in a shocking cliffhanger, Brooke reveals to Lucas that she might be pregnant. Hold on, I've got 200 bucks. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> Love it. Waiting for my midnight kiss, I'm Caitlin Illinich. And we have a special guest. Rocking a slippery when wet concert tee, I'm Jenna Lenskold. <laughs> Love it. Love that. <laughs> I had to do the Bon Jovi reference. I am a longtime Bon Jovi fan. Oh, really? Yes. So... I'm already getting into a side story here, but my mom actually went to the same high school as John Bon Jovi, and my aunt graduated with him. Wow. So, yeah, I, like, grew up listening to Bon Jovi, and to this day, my whole family, like, get a bottle of wine, some 80s Bon Jovi music, it's a good night. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) I know. So I was so excited when I was talking to Caitlin. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to use the Slippery One Wet concert t-shirt reference. (laughs) It's a personal so, connection to you. I mean, is, that's a really good connection. Yeah, it was a good one. I, it was honestly a, a spur of the moment, like game time decision, because I had another one I was going to go with. And then <laughs> I went with the Bon Jovi one. What was the other one you were going to go with? Ooh, this this could actually um, cause a little bit of debate between us, Jeremy. I was going to say... <laughs> I, I was going wait. to say... Bidding on Jake Jagelski at the boy toy auction. I'm Jenna. <laughs> that was my alternate <laughs> intro too. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, amazing. More specifically, mine was serious? mine was bidding eighty seven dollars and fifty three cents on Jake Jagelski. So. <laughs> <laughs> we can share, Jenna. It's okay. I don't think it's going to be a debate. We can it. share. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh. I mean, I think, yeah, we're we're both big Jake fans. So. Yes, and I can't wait to talk all about those feelings with you. But first up, tell us, Jenna, how did you start watching One Tree Hill? What is your origin story? Oh, gosh. Oh, we're going way back here. So <laughs> I remember the first episode that I watched. It was at the, towards the end of season two. And Don't want to give any spoilers me. away. Not giving spoilers, don't worry. (laughs) Just saying it's at the end, at the end of season two. And then I kind of watched periodically throughout season three. And I'd say by the end of season three, I was hooked. I was, you know, planning my my nights around it when it was on TV, making sure I had no obligations so I could sit down and watch. And then obviously nagging Caitlin to watch as well, since I did watch it before Caitlin. (laughs) Sorry, had to rub that in. (laughs) Yeah, Shanna and I double teamed her. You two are the culprits. You got me into this, and here I am today doing a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, Caitlin, what you're saying is thank you, right? Basically. (laughs) Jeremy, we are on the same wavelength. I was going to say, Caitlin, I think you owe us a thank you here. (laughs) I know. I. It was really like the same time period that you two were nagging me. Jeremy was nagging me on the bus, and I remember... 
sitting in your bedroom, Jenna, and you were <laughs> nagging me to watch it. Like, I just remember that vividly for some reason. Like, you wanted to put an episode on or something. Yeah, and it was right around season three, right? And Jenna, that's when you were, like, yeah. that's when you started to really love it, Ziz. I, I feel like season three is just the season that, like, that's what gets everybody, I think. I think that's when the series really caught fire, too. Yeah. Like, I love season two. And season one, season one's great, too, but I don't know. I feel like season three, that's when you're like, wow, like, I'm committed to this show. I And we were at the age where, you know, we would be into that more. Like, we were just old enough to be starting to get into, like, teen dramas and things like that. Yeah, totally. We were all 15 then? Roughly, yeah. 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 14, 15, like, around that age? Yeah. Wow. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, that's a long way off, unfortunately, to talk about season three, but I'm so excited to talk about that. Till then, let's talk about this episode. So, this episode is titled after the song by The Cure to Wish Impossible Things. What does everybody think about this song? It is the saddest song ever. <laughs> like, it made me emotional listening to it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah. a big contrast to it's like a slow song, very somber. This episode's so fun. Right. Yeah, there's a big contrast. It's so moody. It's like that classic mid-2000s emo music. And when I first listened to the song, I thought there was zero connection. Because I think of this episode, and it is so fun, and it's hilarious at times. But then when I looked at the lyrics, I thought that there actually was a bit of a deeper connection to it. There's the lyric, remember how we used to be remember how we used to feel. And I think that directly connects to Haley and Luke and them kind of reflecting back on their friendship before this school year changed things. Also Peyton and Nathan with kind of feeling nostalgic for their relationship and how that used to be. And then there's the lyric, "I it was the hope of all we might have been. And I think that connects to Brooke's feelings and also the Nikki and Jake storyline with Nikki kind of thinking, oh, maybe I could have had this small family with Jake and, and Jenny and Maybe I threw that all away. So I do think that the lyrics kind of get to the deeper aspects of this otherwise really fun episode. Yeah, I think it's really reflective of Brooke's feelings. Like, I don't know, she was just so, she had this sadness about her the whole episode. And you're wondering why she's really this sad. And then obviously that's revealed at the end when she reveals her pregnancy to Luke. I don't know, I think it just really reflects how she's feeling about, like, her breakup with Luke. And, you know, she's not best friends with Peyton anymore. And there's a lot of stuff going on her in her life. And she tries to distract herself by going to strip clubs and dancing. Yep. Making out with oh, men. I'm so excited to talk about the strip clubs in Tree Hill. <laughs> I just... <laughs> well, I mean, sh- should we get rolling into the, into the episode proper then? Because honestly, I feel Let's like the two it. of you covered the song pretty well. Like, I'm like, I'm just sitting here agreeing, like, uh-huh, yeah. I didn't even think that much about it, to be honest with you. So the episode starts off at the annual boy toy auction, and all of the ladies are bidding on the basketball team players. <laughs> and I thought it was a good open to this episode. Like, it really puts you right into the action, and there's, like, this fun feel to it. Every time I watch this episode, it just has so much energy to it right away that it pulls you in. Yeah, the opening theme song's not even in it. So, like, literally, they drop mm-hmm. you right into the action. So, you know, there were reasons why they cut out the theme song. It was because they the episode was so jam-packed with action that they, yeah. they didn't have time to play it. 
So I get that, but like, I don't know, I feel like it's really appropriate for an episode like this, because you just get dropped right in, and it's like, boom, here we are, the night's getting started, let's have some fun. <laughs> get your dollar bills out, it's time to bid on the board. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, this auction is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We had something like this at our high school. It wasn't called a boy toy auction. It was called Mr. High School Name Redacted, because I'm not going to tell everybody what high school we went to. But I don't think adults could bid on uh, the boys, could they? I don't think so. I mean, that's definitely an issue of this episode, (laughs) but... (laughs) That was the one that, like, when Zeb bid bid it on him, I was... Bid it? I don't even know if that's a word, but it is a word now. When when Zeb bid it on him, like... Are they supposed to kiss at the end of the night? Because, I don't know, there's something illegal about that. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I have it, So, we'll get to this, but I have an issue with the whole kiss at the end of the night thing anyway, but I didn't even think of the Tim and Deb storyline. Oh, that is so awkward. <laughs> Ooh, no, no, no. Not good. Yeah. And I mean, granted, like, I know Age of Consent was six, was, um, 16 in North Carolina around that time, or at least in One Tree Hills World it was, because, I mean, that's a plot that's touched on much later on. But I mean, there has to be high school kids who are like 15 who are in that boy toy auction, right? I don't know. Yeah, that's an issue. And I know Deb was doing it because she felt bad that Tim was basically making a fool of himself and no one was bidding on him. Yeah, I know Deb wasn't being untoward, but again, it's like, there was the understanding that they would yeah, kiss. And it's, it, like, it's weird. This is uncomfortable to me. I mean, I feel like bidding on anyone is kind of like, just wrong in itself. <laughs> but I know they're raising money. Like, why did there have to be a date attached to it? Like, at our high school, like you brought up, Jeremy, it was just a competition. You just had someone won, and that that was that. I don't think there was any, there wasn't anything, like, people ran in the competition, and they had dances and, like, whatnot, and there was votes, but it wasn't yeah, like- you did get a lap dance on stage if you oh, won gosh. the guy, though. Really? Did you really? Yeah. Well, maybe it wasn't a lap dance. It wasn't like, you know, grinding and shit. I don't remember this at all. And I remember (laughs) going to these. No, I remember going too. I I couldn't remember the details around it though. Like, did you get to pair up with a guy at some point? It was very weird no matter what. So I remember, this is how I remember it. So anybody who went to high school with us can feel free to correct us. This is how I remember it though. So the auction was like the week before. So so, so there was an auction and then there was a pageant. The auction was the week before the pageant, I believe. And when you went to the auction, you could bid on a boy. That boy would like, you know, give you like a little dance on stage. Like, you know, not, not not a lap dance, but like a, you know, sexy, flirty type of dance sort of deal. And then the next day... You, you're basically that girl's slave. Like, I remember seeing, like, guys wear dresses, like, the next day, because it was like, oh, that girl told me to wear a dress. It's so funny, right? <laughs> okay, yes, it's totally coming back to me. I remember that, too. <laughs> we just blacked out high school. It's okay. It's okay. I blacked <laughs> out awesome. a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, but you could, like, make them your pet, so to speak. You'd be like, you do this, you do that. And, yeah, I do remember that. But it wasn't like you you had a kiss at the end. It's not like you went on a date right. and then had a kiss at the end of the night or anything. Right. Do you think they still do that at our high school? I don't know. You know, I don't know, to be honest. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about it, but I don't follow it closely. I mean, at least our our high school, I feel like, was a little bit less problematic, unlike, you know, unlike the boy toy auction, which I think is low-key human trafficking. (laughs) Well, that, so I was gonna hint on something like that, too. It's like, 
I did think it was interesting because you do see the girls in the show sexualized so much. Mm-hmm. And this was the, rever- the reverse where, you know, Nathan's taking a shirt off and all of that. But could you imagine if the roles were reversed and this was the girl toy auction? Yeah. Like, you know, like. There's a double standard there. There is. There really is. And not to knock it, because I I love this episode. I think it's very funny, and I recognize it's completely a television show, but... Yes, I am. You know, so I'm not really criticizing it too much, because I do love the episode, and I think it's very amusing. But Mm -hmm. on the flip side, like, I do try to think of it in the light of, you know, today's day and age, and reality exactly yeah well that's what we're here to do we dissect the (laughs) heck out of the show and all of its issues and also appreciate it you know surprisingly like i actually have a lot of space for this episode because i really love i fucking love this episode so much that so do i I (laughs) that i'm even like surprised that i'm like yeah yeah it's just it's just human trafficking no big deal (laughs) it's fine it's fine that's a laugh for you to say that jeremy (laughs) It's just, it's just human trafficking where, like, you you know, you're forced to kiss somebody at the end of the night. Whatever. It's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with a kiss at the end of the night, even though that was my intro. It was just to be funny. Well, you're consented to the midnight kiss, and yes. it's great. I mean, yeah, if you had a couple that's paired together or friends, whatever, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Although, um, I mean, I, I guess I'll bring this up, though. There is a deleted scene where Tim um, goes to Zeb mm-hmm. at the end of the night, and it's like... It's like, you know, we don't actually have to do that kiss, even though it's part of the rules, right? And Deb's like, I I don't think we should. So they don't even kiss at the end of the night. So I guess, like, you do have some agency at the end of the day. You could just say, like, no, no to the kissing. Yeah. I I think it's interesting that was deleted. It's also interesting that they have some agency, and then we see certain couples just go for it anyway. But I guess we'll get into that. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yes. Should we um, get into our first couple of the evening? Let's do it. I know Jen is dying to get to this. <laughs> so Nikki bids on Jake after Peyton lost the bid, unfortunately. And gotta say, I love that. I love that Peyton bidded with like cents with coins, eighty-seven dollars and fifty-three cents. Like <laughs> that gives me a chuckle every time. I don't know why, but it's us. Can you also? Sorry, going back to paying in in coins and cash can you imagine that today it's like i will venmo you 80 (laughs) dollars so true like they wouldn't they wouldn't have even accepted uh brooks credit cards let alone venmo there would probably be a qr code for like a venmo thing like here this is what you do (laughs) oh my gosh so true oh it's like listen kids back in the day you had to pay things with cash Sometimes. I (laughs) I wanted Peyton to win so bad and get to bid on Jake. Oh, I want them together. I know. I guess they just had to move the storyline along with the Jake and Nikki thing. And at the same time, it was interesting to see Peyton and Nathan. So the pairings, I feel, were still interesting. But yeah, it kind of would have been nice to see Peyton and Jake and what that would have entailed. Yeah. But I also like seeing the storyline progress a little bit, too. I mean, because the last time we saw um, Jake and Nikki together, it was literally just like a little cliffhanger where Nikki's just like, how's my daughter? And in this episode, we find out, like, Jake fucking hates Nikki. And rightfully so, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was actually very interesting to see this side of Jake. I feel like you always see this, like, kind, kind of soft-spoken, in a sense, character. And then for him to go off on Nikki mm-hmm. and some of these 
scenes, I was like, whoa, Jake, you have a bit of a backbone here. Like, I liked seeing feisty Jake. That's so true. Yes, I did like seeing Jake be a little bit spicy. Because it just, like, you know, just like you said, Jenna, he's he is a kind, kind person. So kind. And he's protective of his daughter. Yeah, so the fact that Nikki comes in and, like, Jake essentially blows up at Nikki, it just shows, I don't know, I feel like it's very easy to side with Jake here. It's like, okay, she must be really bad. Agreed. Yeah. What I thought was interesting is that you really get to learn a little bit about their backstory in this episode. And up until this point, you don't know if they were a one night stand, if they had a casual fling, but it sounds like they really did love each other and they really were in a relationship. I mean, Jake says Nikki broke his heart. So I'm like, oh, you guys were actually pretty serious then. You know, like it makes you want more of their story. But up until this point, you you don't know, you know that. Luke and Nikki, you know, had a little fling going on. So you're like, oh, is she just like a girl that Jake had a one night stand with? But no, they they were pretty serious. I know. It really reveals about their past. And the fact that Jake was, he even admits that he was like waiting for her to come back. And she just didn't. And that that's kind of heartbreaking. It really is. Like, I hate when people hurt my little Jakey baby. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I just want to hug him. <laughs> I just want to cuddle him and tell him, like, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Let's team up and spoon him, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> oh. Oh, he, he needs some consoling. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> so, side tangent. Jenna and I, when we went to Wilmington on our Tree Hill road trips, we actually saw Jake's house. Really? We did. Yeah, I think it was on the same, like, in the same area as Peyton and Haley's house, I believe, Jen? Yeah, we were trying to remember where exactly in Tree Hill, aka Wilmington, it was, but we drove all over, so I honestly can't remember exactly where it was, but you can probably still find the address to it. Oh, I'm sure. We looked it up, but yeah, it was... It looks exactly like it does in the show. So that definitely brought back memories I watching know. this episode again. Nice. <laughs> do people live there? It. Like, do real people live there, I'm assuming, so? Yeah, I think yeah. it just look, looks like an ordinary house, basically. Wow. But this, yeah. so we saw this back in, what, 2011? So it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think people live in all of the houses. It's in a normal looking, like, all of the homes are in normal looking neighborhoods. Wow. Yeah. I think, okay, this is really creepy, but I'm pretty sure I've looked up Brooke's house on Zillow before. (laughs) 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 Only slightly obsessed with not to buy it, but. (laughs) Oh, so you get the red door. That's not a spoiler, is it? Okay, so I do love the red door. (laughs) Well, for people following along with the podcast, they'll know when they see her house. I feel like it's so iconic. (laughs) It definitely is. Aww. (laughs) Yeah. But Jake's was also cool to see. Yeah, it really was. So moving on to our next couple, Peyton and Nathan. I have to say I really enjoyed this one because it was so unexpected that they would be paired together. Mm-hmm. And they're they're friends with each other, too. Mm-hmm. Which I love to say. This is the first time you actually see them in, like, a positive way. <laughs> it was always, like, doom and gloom. Like, they were mad at each other or arguing about something and now it it was just it lightened the mood so that they can potentially be friends moving forward definitely yeah 
Oh, uh, so they talked a little bit about their history. <laughs> so apparently during the scene where Peyton says that um she says that Nathan was really good in bed. Apparently on the original Aaron of this episode, because they say this in the audio commentary, the original Aaron of this episode, they accidentally cut out the line where she mentions that he's good in bed. Yeah, I heard that too in the audio commentary. <laughs> Which is, that's kind of funny. To, like, I, I kind of want to watch the original scene, like, you know, out of context and be like, wait, why is why is Peyton like dipping herself in the water? <laughs> <laughs> that, it is really strange that they cut that out and didn't notice it. Yeah, and then they didn't, they didn't um, show that line until it re-aired the following Sunday, because mm-hmm. WB used to have Easy View Sundays, which was like repeats and shit. <laughs> Easy View Sundays? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was called. I remember this vividly, you know. You would. So they weren't fresh episodes, but they were <laughs> they were Easy View episodes. <laughs> that's funny. I really liked seeing them together as well, but... Parts of it did make me a little bit uncomfortable just because I felt like they were very flirty. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where is the line between being friendly and being flirty? It's that whole question of like, can you actually just be friends with your ex? You know, Mm. it's like they're getting along really well and it seemed innocent and all of that. But then at the end, when they kiss, I'm like. Ugh, you didn't need to do that. Like, there's no reason for you to do it. You could have just been like, okay, here's a peck on the cheek or let's hug or, you know, I mean, they didn't need to do it. And I felt like by them kissing, it showed that they still had some feelings, even if they were way, way, way deep down. It's like, they can't just be friends. I don't know. It. I know. It made me uncomfortable knowing that Haley's like right on the other side of the door. Yeah, I think it did cross a line. More so Nathan crossed the line. But I don't know. In the end, I think the kiss was innocent because Nathan right before that opens up to Peyton and says that, you know, he actually, he truly wants to be a better guy for Haley and Peyton supports him. And I don't think there's any true feelings that they have for each other. But there definitely was some flirting, which is a little wrong. Yeah. I think it's just hard for the two of them to navigate these new waters, essentially, because, I mean, let's just face it, I, you know, Jenna, like you said, the whole thing about, like, being friends with your ex. Were they really, were they really boyfriend and girlfriend? No, they were mostly fuck bodies. Yeah. No, it's so true. Yeah. 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 So, like, I feel like that's, like, a difficult line. I know I've navigated this before in the past as well. It's like, you know, when there's somebody who you just have sex with, and then it's like, then you've reached that point where like, hey, let's just be friends. And it's like, how do you do this? It's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, we're just going to hang out and we're not going to have sex? Okay. Like, I mean, I'm okay with this. But it, it's like, it's like a weird territory to navigate into a little the bit. The boundaries. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the boundaries are. It's hard to figure that out. Yeah, so I just feel like Nathan and Peyton were just trying to like, figure that out a little bit. So I kind of... He has space for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trying not to use my catchphrase as often, but you know what? I am going to say that. I have space for that, all right? <laughs> See? It worked Jeremy, well. you kill me with that phrase. Oh my gosh. I'm going to start, like, playing a drinking game to it and just, like, taking a shot every time you say it. <laughs> I feel like we could have tons of drinking games for this podcast. Every time Probably. I say... <laughs> Oh. I have space. Caleb, what do you do? What do you do that, like, what do you do I'm consistently? I'm sure I do many things. I don't know what they are, though. <laughs> Listeners, if you want to create an Always and Forever drinking game, tweet it to us or Instagram DM us or email us, alwaysothpod at gmail.com. 
And if you apply it, just be sure to do it safely, please. But seriously, though, I do have space for Nathan and Peyton, for them trying to navigate this new this new territory. But in the end, yeah. they didn't really need to kiss. It was, And this goes for everyone. Like, the kiss was not a binding contract that you had to do it. Like, you could have just hugged and, like, that was it. You know? Thank you. I thought the same thing. But, Jeremy, no. You you bring up a good point that, like, this is one of the first times they're hanging out together post-relationship, you know, sleeping together situation. So mm-hmm. they are figuring it out for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is rehashing the feelings that you kind of used to have for one another and talking them through and, you know, getting to a place where you can kind of close that chapter in your life. So I do get that. Yeah. But they didn't need to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I no, I, I agree to that. So I agree with that to an extent, yeah. Um, and I also do like the fact that Nathan even said, like, it's it's just sex, which that's how that's what Peyton interpreted as. Like, okay, no, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this, Nathan, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I feel like it was valid for her to chime in with mm-hmm. that. And then that's when Nathan said that, um, he just he just said that, I'm just telling you that because let you know I'm not pressuring her. So I feel like, you know, it's just like, honestly, and I just thought of this opinion right now, I didn't even write this down. Um, I feel like this is Nathan's indirect way of saying like, hey, like, Peyton, you and I are just friends. All we were, were, were fuck buddies. And it's not trying to like devalue her in any way by saying that, but... It is like there's a different way than directly saying it. I don't. I, I don't I know. I don't know what I'm saying necessarily, but you get what I mean. I do. I think you're just okay. distinguishing like it's two different types of relationships, and the one he has with Haley is deeper. Let's jump into like a more friendly kiss. We <laughs> have Lucas and Haley. Um, just to jump ahead for their date, though, like their kiss was like kind of adorable. It was just like a quick pack. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> And that's it. You can tell, like, they were friends there. Like, I don't know. There was something, like, really cute about that. <laughs> I love their p- platonic relationship or friendship. It yes, definitely. really is so rare to see. And I know we've said this before, Jeremy, but I don't know. It's really refreshing. There's a sweetness about it. Yeah, and I love seeing them um, um, throw water balloons at each other, some of which are filled with milk, and that grossed me out so much. <laughs> it's kind of gross. I didn't catch that. Why were they filled with milk? <laughs> I, to be gross, I'm assuming. Like, I did not I just, catch that at all. Wait, you missed that? Yeah. Oh, I heard that. See, I, I miss little details. Th- there's a part, like, right when they get up on top of the roof, and then Lucas asks Haley, like, did you fill them with milk like we used to? And then Haley's like, oh, some of them. And then um, Lucas throws a water balloon at Haley, and then Lucas is like, I guess that was one of the ones with milk. <laughs> well, okay. regardless, That's really gross. their contraption, whatever you call it, their little golf course... On the roof is cute. Yeah. I don't know. I love seeing that when they're up on the roof like that. It is. I don't really have anything more to say about it. It's just adorable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also love this segment because we haven't seen Luke and Haley just be friends in a couple episodes. And you really get to see their friendship and get reminded that they do have this really strong bond. So I loved them together in this episode. I think it's adorable. I do too. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the tattoo reveal. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, boy. what's everybody think about that one? I mean, Luke is a hypocrite because he just got a tattoo as well, and Haley points that out. 
Yeah. Well, I think it was just a little bit of a different context because, I mean, I, I do, like I don't really like Lucas in this situation either, don't get me wrong. But I feel like Lucas was under the impression that, like, Nathan forced Haley to get the tattoo, which I'd be like, okay, like, I, I would chime in for my friend if something like that happened. I'd oh, be like, yeah. wait a minute, like, did, did he ask you to do this? And then that's what Haley's like, no, he didn't. Mm-hmm. So, I, I kind of understand his, like, his initial, um, disdain for the idea. Yeah, I was surprised she got it, though. I mean, I think up until this moment, you you realize that Haley likes Nathan, but maybe not just how much. And a tattoo is permanent. Like, she really likes him. And then she says that <laughs> quote where she's like, if I look at this tattoo 20 years from now and it reminds me of how I feel today, I think I'm okay with that because... I'm in love for the first time or whatever, and you're like, oh, that's pretty big. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I kind of liked how she justified it, though. Like, I, it's not like she got a tattoo with his name or anything like that. She got the number 23, and she could make it mean something else in, like, 20 years from now if she wanted to. And I had a little bit of space for Haley. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I can understand <laughs> that. And I think you made a good point, Jen, that this really shows how serious Haley feels for Nathan like how serious a relationship this has become because you don't really Mm -hmm. know like the depth of it so far but you also get the reveal like we just said with Nathan that he really wants to be a better person for Haley so you're seeing it on both ends just in different ways yeah and you also see I I like the um the cutaway because Haley admits that she's in love with Nathan and then she's like but I just don't know if he feels the same way and then it cuts to Nathan and Peyton I yeah. believe they're in the pool at that point. It's like, okay, like, does Nathan feel the same way? And it, it seems like he's headed in that direction, but we still don't know for sure, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. It makes you question his feelings for her, but I think when he admits, towards the end, when he admits that he, he wants to be a better person, I think that kind of shows what he's feeling, too. Definitely. And um, what about Lucas um, catching Nathan Payne kissing at the end? Of course. Timing Ugh. is everything in Tree Hill. <laughs> yep. It's one of those classic scenes that it just pisses me off. Like, he should have just knocked on the door, opened the door, and been like, what the hell's going on here? But of course, no. <laughs> he has to walk away. They don't talk about it. It just festers in their mind. They, like, come up with alternate situations. Mm-hmm. I think, Jeremy, you've mentioned this before mm-hmm. on other podcast episodes. It's yeah. like, so much could be resolved if they just have a very simple conversation. Yeah, just fucking talk to each other. That's all yes. you need to do. Oh, yep. I was thinking the 100%. same thing that Jeremy had said a while ago. And, 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 and I mean, come on, too. Like, Lucas, you know the rules of the auction. You, you know, like, like the, you know, the quote-unquote rules. Like, you know, like, it's it was probably just a kiss. You didn't, also, you didn't catch them, like, making out. I mean, I think, um, I think Peyton and Nathan's kiss looks a little bit more intimate than Haley and Lucas's. I think because they just were getting out of the shower, too, like, separately. Yeah, so, or, or they were drying their hair or whatever. I don't know. From the pool. come on, that could mean anything. Like, literally, it was just... <sighs> It's just so much better if you just talk to each other. Drama. Drama. We needed drama at the end of this episode. A pregnancy <laughs> wasn't enough. We needed more. <laughs> and the marriage proposal. Yeah. Come on, Kate. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but yeah, this show just loves drama. And I think One Tree Hill, they get out of this sort of thing where it's like, hey, this problem could be resolved if you just talk to each other. They sort of get out of it, I feel like, after season one. But... I'm just saying, like, that whole plot line was stupid. It's like a fake cliffhanger in a sense, because it's, like, so minor that you're like, 
uh, is this, would this really ruin them? And then you have these two bombshells at the end of the episode. And it's like, why was that even necessary? Yeah. like, And yeah, the other two bombshells are much more entertaining. And like this one, I'm just like, okay, like this is going to be fine. They just yeah. need to talk to talk to each other and sort out this misunderstanding. And everything will be good. But like, come on, exactly. Lucas, you need, Lucas, don't fucking jump the conclusions. Just he's very big on that. Mm-hmm. Lucas is a big conclusion jumper. <laughs> yeah, he is. <sighs> we'll get to that as the series goes on. <laughs> but you're right. You're definitely right. <laughs> oh lord. <laughs> All right. So I don't know how to transition. Um, strip clubs. <laughs> That's a transition. That is a transition. (laughs) Thanks, Jen. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Otherwise known as Broken Mouth's Little Date. (laughs) Yeah, so this was a fun pairing, too, because we haven't really gotten much from Mouth yet other than when they were at the um, cheerleading competition. You know, he, he was helping out with the team. And now we're actually learning more about this character. And he wasn't even supposed to be part of the auction, which is the hilarious part. <laughs> I wondered, did, did Mouth consent to this? <laughs> because all of a sudden it's like women were bidding on him and it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Like they never actually asked, like, are you good with this Mouth? Can you do this? Do you have plans tonight? You don't anymore. <laughs> well, it ended up being the best night of his life. So I think he's good. Yeah, no, like, I don't think, like, I think Mouth was fine with that. Cause, but I'm, I just thought it was kind of funny that they don't even ask him. But yeah, it was so funny though. Like there was one girl I was like, I'll get five dollars for the microphone, boy. And then it's like 10, 20. And then Brooke's like, hold up, I got 200 bucks. <laughs> so good. It's like, okay, Brooke, you really didn't have to bid that much. But all right, you go, girl. <laughs> you go, Brooke. She had an evening planned and she was gonna do it one way or the other. I will say, why did she have an evening at a female strip club planned for the guy when she bit on him it just seems very weird mm, i didn't actually take it that way i took it as like, really? it was like i took it as like a last minute i mean okay for one thing it could be like hey like let's turn on the guy that could be one thing or True. it could just be like a last minute decision to just for mouth like a last minute decision for oh, mouth. yeah maybe that wasn't part of the plan initially yeah maybe she just had the limo and then it was the night could go wherever it wanted to go yeah that's fair that's fair but Caitlin, I have to ask, where are these strip clubs? We have been to Trio. We did not see them. <laughs> I have no idea. I think it was hilarious in the audio commentary how um, the creator was saying how the studio and the network were very picky on the, the strip club scenes and the lap dance. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you see some side boob. It's like, it's pretty intense. Do you? Oh, I didn't catch the side Very boob. subtly. It's not like you see the full side boob. It's like you see, like, you know, it, like, cuts away right as you start to see side boob, but you do see side boob. Ooh, interesting. Subtle, <laughs> subtle side boob. Yes. Nice. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't catch that either. I put that in my notes, actually. Subtle side boob. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, then we get the whole thing about how um, Mouth is like, girls like jerks. And I'm like, uh, this is a problematic, like, trope. Does anybody else have thoughts on that? I feel like I talked a lot about Mouth, and I feel like he's a little bit problematic sometimes, but I don't know. Be- because Brooke is like, why don't you have a girlfriend? And Mouth's like, girls like jerks. 
And I'm like, okay, within the narrative of high school, this makes sense because yes, people in high school are shallow. Like it, it's a thing. Don't get me wrong. However, I think Mouth probably should have a girlfriend because he actually is a nice guy. But in real life, if no one is pointing out to you, you're probably not a nice guy. Like, let's just be honest here. I, I mean, I don't know. I think Mouth probably perceives himself to be a nice guy. So, and he, he never gets any attention. That's what I'm assuming based on the context of this. They both kind of have skewed uh, ideas of what relationships look like, though. Like, Mouth is like, oh, you have to be a jerk, and that's the only way you get re- like get a girlfriend and have a relationship. And then Brooke's whole quote about how you need to have, I forget the exact quote, but it's like, you need to have someone who turns you on, someone who you love, and they can't meet each other. Like, that's also kind of problematic. So they both have very skewed ideas of what a good relationship or even a relationship at all looks like. Yeah. I I like that quote from Brooke and I'll get into that later. <laughs> but um Spoiler alert, that's my favorite quote. Um, <laughs> I think it's a good quote. I'm just saying yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that that actual philosophy on dating is probably not the most uh healthy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're looking for, right? Like, if that's truly what you're looking for, then it's fine. But if you want, like, a long-term marriage or something, then that's probably not the way you should go about it. Yeah. But then it turns out, like, at the end of the episode, we find out that Brooke was actually, um, that wasn't really what she thought at the end of the day. She ends up saying, like, remember when I told you what girls want? Girls just want somebody who wants them back. Yeah, that is true. And I think that's just reflective of her relationship with Lucas. That Lucas would never wanted her back as much as she wanted him. And I think those are that's where her thoughts are. I want to talk a little bit about the guy that she starts making out with, though. Um, she starts making out with him, and then the guy like is like, "Okay, so are we going to do this?" And she's like, "What?" And he's like, "We do this all the time. Your name's Brooke, right?" And I don't know, like, which way to, like, take that whole, like, you know, um, conversation, because, um, did Brooke just forget that she made out with this guy several times before, probably had sex with him, who knows? Or is the implication that, like, she doesn't remember because it wasn't 100% consensual? I took it as that she forgot. Yeah. Or she was too drunk to remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I chose to say it, but like, I don't know, there was some part of me where it was just like, oh my god, hopefully Brooke was like actually consented to the situation. I think you're supposed to assume that she just forgot, because yeah, yeah she was okay. drinking and didn't remember the night. Okay, good. I I like that take better, because like, let me tell you, I've been there, I've been like making out with guys before, and I'm like, you know we did this before, right? I'm like, did we? <laughs> <laughs> We did? Oh, oh, great. Okay. Like, all right. <laughs> so what Brooke did? Relatable moment. I'm just saying. Oh, you're too much. <laughs> Except I didn't internalize it later and realize, like, you know what? Like, this is sad. I'm actually, I'm pregnant right now. This is just my way of escaping. So I didn't have that situation. <laughs> but, and um. what I found interesting also about that moment while we're still on it is that in the audio commentary, the creator mentioned that people thought this little storyline in the bar when with the guy that she forgot she made out with, people were thinking that this was supposed to, like, lead you to believe that potentially this was the guy that she had was having the baby with. And that that's mm. not what they were intending, like, what the writers were intending at all with this storyline. Yeah. And I never really thought of it that way either. It's funny that people took it that way. 
Yeah, I heard that in the commentary too, and I thought it was interesting, but it never crossed my mind. It was always, maybe because Rook is so focused on Lucas that my mind was also just focused on Lucas, but that would have been quite a twist. Sure would have been. But we, once again, we don't really know what, what happened with this guy, if they even had sex. Right. Yeah, they could have just, like, made out, who knows, but, um, I did like that Brooke kissed mouth, though. Because it wasn't like it was, like, part of the rules or anything like that. She did it just because. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just thought that was adorable. It was cute. Yeah. That was, like, the one kiss I didn't have an issue with, actually. I was like, oh, like, well, Lucas and Haley are fine as well. But I did think it was kind of sweet. Yeah, it's just so funny because Mouth had, like, the best night ever. And Brooke had probably one of the saddest nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was also just a regular Tuesday for Brooke. <laughs> True. You know? <laughs> it was such a contrast. Okay, now that we are done talking about the kids, and I, it weirds me out every time I call these characters kids, but you get what I mean. Let's talk about the adults. First up, Tim and Zeb, who we talked a little bit about earlier, but I just wanted to call out one particular detail in the audio commentary. They compared the situation with Tim and Zeb to Ashton Kutcher and to me more. I heard that. And... I'm like, you can't compare these two, because for one, that Ashton Kutcher was 25 and Demi Moore was 40. This is 17 and at least 36. Yeah. And- <laughs> it doesn't compare. <laughs> or 34, like, I, I don't know, what is math? Whatever, whatever the age difference is. When the person's in high school, that that's not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I thought that was just weird to me. Um, Yeah. <laughs> And then also, wait, can we talk a little bit about, like, some of, like, the misunderstandings that happened between the two of them? (laughs) Yes, I wanted to talk about that, too. Do you think that Tim jumped to conclusions, or do you think some of those comments were, like, intentionally misleading? (laughs) I plan on getting dirty. I mean, come on. I plan on getting a little dirty. You're gonna want to take a shower after I'm through with you. Like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, Zab, you're... (laughs) Oh, Deb. You cannot say that to a kid. Or a teenager. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, okay, th- There's that's one interpretation where it's like, okay, Deb totally was, she was unintentionally being sexual and kind of being naive about the whole thing. Also, when she's clean, when she tells Tim that she's in the bathtub and, um, she, <laughs> and she's pulling the hair out of the drain, you see, like, those little, like, melons in front of her chest and it's like, it's like, obviously, yep. like, those are her boobs. oh Oh, that was funny it's honestly so funny like i i laugh every time i watch it even though it's like (laughs) kind of wrong it's it's hilarious no it's it's so so funny um but yeah so that's one interpretation where like deb was just being like kind of naive about how like quote-unquote sexy she was being um however also like fiction isn't really about like what's actually happening it's about how it feels and i feel like this is how tim was feeling during the situation yeah could have been something saying something completely different but i think we're supposed to be like knee deep in tim's pov during that scene yeah that's true that is a good point and he he kind of (laughs) he plays this goofy character obviously and just kind of (laughs) rolls with things yeah, which is, this is um one of, I mean, we, we sort of saw it a little bit during the Sparkle Classic episode, but this is, like, one of his first episodes where we see him be, like, the, be, like, the jokester, or be, like, you know, the comic relief a little bit, and, like, they talk about this in the audio commentary, too. They apparently told Brett Claywell, the actor, they said, like, hey, if you can play, like, this, like, you know, this idiot, quote-unquote, um, I could write for that, and 
Brett Claywell was like, yeah, sure. And then they gave it to him. And I don't know. I think he does a great job with that. He does. He does for sure. Because he started in the season as being like the jerk, like the sidekick of Nathan, basically. Yeah, he was just sort of like a, he was just sort of like an alternate version of Nathan early on in the Mm -hmm. season, I feel like. Like you could easily like switch the characters and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I kind of like seeing him play this sort of character. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, um, Dan catches Devin's him in the acts. Talk about timing. Uh, Once again, <laughs> Tree Hill strikes Once again. Once again. Yeah. He says, the lawyers are going to love this. It's so funny. I do feel bad for Deb, though. Like, she's had a couple of rough episodes lately. Just things are not going her way. And I love Deb. Like, we don't want Dan to get his way in this divorce. We want Deb to. And you know Dan's going to use these things against her. Mm-hmm. Oh, another thing they mentioned. Sorry, I keep, like, you know, thinking of something else that comes up during this, like, whole little <laughs> section of scenes. Um, during the commentary, they talked about that um, they initially weren't going to use Deb in the series. I know. What was that about? That's just so weird to me. And then they, they basically just got impressed with Barbara Allen Woods' performance, and they said, like, okay, like, let's give her more work. And I'm like, how are you planning to make this show and not include Nathan's mother? Yeah, that yeah, that would be really doesn't weird. doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Which, I don't know, that just made me feel a little bit uneasy. So, do we think that she was purposely not in the first couple episodes, and then they're like, oh, wait, we need a mom figure, let's add someone in? Or do you think it was planned... That she was going to come in and what is it, like episode three or, or four all along? I honestly don't know. I feel like maybe they were going to try to like write her off as saying like, oh, she's always away on business trips. Oh my gosh, she's such an important part of the first season, especially. I mean, the whole series, obviously, but especially the first season. I love her. Because we get so much good content from Deb. Like, because God bless our Barbara Allen Woods. Like, oh my God. Jenna, did you see my birthday cameo <laughs> from her? I did. You knew that was coming. <laughs> it was excellent. <laughs> I loved it so much. She was so precious. Oh my god. <laughs> she really was. She actually seemed to have like a similar personality to Deb. Like I saw like connections between how she was speaking in the cameo to how she speaks in the show. Yeah, she seemed really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, she has this warm personality. Exactly. God bless her. But I could go on about my love for her all day. All right, we're going to cut you off now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're moving on to the next uh, adult couple. Do you want to talk about Deb's girlfriend in Jeremy's fantasy land? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, she's not. You mean fantasy land? You mean the actual canon? And this would totally happen if One Tree Hill got a reboot? I am just saying. (laughs) Karen and Zeb would totally be a couple if this got rebooted. Unfortunately, Karen is paired with Larry in this episode, Jeremy. So <laughs> come on. Calm down. Calm down. And <laughs> also in the commentary, how do they think the the writers or producers, how do they think that these two have chemistry? I don't understand that. <laughs> they don't have chemistry. I don't think. Do you, Jen? I actually think that they kind of do. Like, really? I, I don't hate them together, honestly. I actually find them fine. And, like, I could get behind them if I wasn't so gung-ho on Karen and Keith being together. To me, it's like yeah. the show The show almost, like, set up in the very first episodes that, like, you want certain characters to get together. Like, you want Karen and Keith and 
I feel like the show's leading you to want Peyton and Lucas together, although I think we could make an argument for Peyton and Jake or Brooke and uh, Lucas. But I feel like, I almost feel like Perrin and Larry are like the Brooke and Luke, at least in season one. They're like that other option that they just have to like tease you with before you get Mm. back to the couple that you really know should be together. That's a good point. Ah, I like that. I wonder if that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. I don't know. And it just didn't work out because I don't know. I mean, I agree with you, Caitlin. I don't think they really have anything, but. I like that they were fun together. Like you, you see Karen and Keith and they're very serious, I find. And then Karen and Larry, like you saw this like fun side of Karen and they're like digging up the time capsule and they're drinking and they're having a good time. And it kind of reminded me of how Brooke was trying to get Luke to have a good time. And then meanwhile, Luke and Peyton are always so serious together. So I just saw those parallels. That's a good point. I never saw those parallels before. And you're right. Larry did kind of bring out this lightness in Karen, like this fun, light side of her. Because, yeah, like, they went to dig up the time capsule. And that's, I feel like, something Karen isn't, she's more measured and she thinks before she acts. She always makes her decisions, you know, with a lot of thought. She doesn't really do spontaneous things. You you don't really see her doing anything spontaneous in the show so far. And that was the first little thing that she's done. Mm Mm-hmm. And give a little shout-out to Karen's moment. If it's action not your craving, go and get yourself a raven. We said go. Ravens, <laughs> go mighty ravens. If you really want to score, gotta dig a little more. We said go. Ravens, go mighty ravens. Yes. Oh my God, I love it so much. <laughs> you know I wrote that down oh, because I, I had to do that cheer. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was going to call out the cheer, but Jeremy just performing it was 10 times better. <laughs> See, he's taking over my singing. <laughs> he really is. I think we both settled that we both sang Caitlin. I know. You set the tone in episode two and you decided to just say, I don't want to I'm going to break but... out in song in a little bit, so I'm ready. Oh, oh I am excited. <laughs> well, Caitlin was like, you might as well just do your, your reference to Bon Jovi in your intro and start singing. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I'll just mention the t-shirt that they pull out of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna's like, this is off-brand for me. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> we, no, we just don't want to hear that. If people do want to hear us. That's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. People do want to hear me and Caitlin. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, Lord. I want to sing, um, sing my musical moment now. <laughs> <laughs> We're not there yet, Caitlin. Come on, Jeremy, Be quick, patient. quick, let's go. <laughs> Um, just a, just a few questions though. Um, Tree Hill High has a football team. I know you never hear about it. <laughs> oh, interesting question. It's basketball, basketball, basketball. That's it. They have no other sports at Tree Hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Also, we were talking about kisses that shouldn't have happened. I feel like this kiss should not have happened because I th- I feel like Herod was very clear that she was like she said that oh I have a history with Keith. I just don't know if we have a future. And then Larry kisses her. I'm like, why did you kiss her in that moment? Yeah, it's kind of strange now that you point that out. So I feel like that was the kiss that made me most uncomfortable in the episode. (laughs) Huh, I didn't get that. 
maybe I just, I paid attention to her facial like features and reactions after it happened. And she seemed pleasantly surprised and like happy about it. So I don't know. I didn't get weirded out by this one, actually. Oh, you thought she was, oh, you thought she was happy by it? I don't know. I, I, yeah. yeah, she kind of did look happy. Like, like she was surprised by it. Like pleasantly surprised. Oh. Yeah. A happy surprise. Yeah. I, I don't know. I got, I thought she was uncomfortable, honestly. She didn't have a lot of time to process it because then she gets a knock at the other door <laughs> and she gets proposed to. Yeah. After he gets advice from Whitey and he says, like, you know, you have to go for it. Life is too short or whatever words of wisdom Whitey put on him. And I get Whitey's wisdom and I think Keith should use it. But jumping this far, like going from Karen is angry at you and she's starting to, you know, soften up and forgive Keith for what he did. So why in the world would you propose? That's going to scare her away, I would imagine. <laughs> if I was in that position, I would be scared away. I would be too. Yeah, I he's coming on so. a little strong. Do you think it's like an all or nothing thing for him? He's like, I'm either going to go for it completely and it's either going to be everything I've ever wanted or it's going to crash and burn and then I can finally move on. I don't know. I think, yeah. I don't, yeah. He has so many feelings for Karen. And I think, yeah, in a way, he wants that resolved. Like, is this going to work? He wants that answer. But at the same time, you have to think about the other person. In what world is Karen ready for that? You know, they're not, they've never even been in a relationship before. A kiss at the- They haven't even went on an official yeah, date. Yeah, a kiss at the airport <laughs> is yeah. not a relationship. <laughs> yeah. I, mm. I mean, I love Keith. Okay. I love Keith. It was just, wrong move, buddy. Wrong move. <laughs> Yeah, I do too, and I'm like, of course I want these two to get together, but I'm just, I'm like, ask her out on a date for, you know, I, okay, like, you want to propose for, ask her out on a date first. Yeah, if he had just said what he had said, like, you know, these last few weeks have been rough for me, and I've really thought about blah, 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 I don't know, remember exactly what he said, but if he had said all of those same things and then asked her out on a date, it would have been perfectly fine. Yeah, or if he just said, like, I'm in love with you and I want to be with you, I feel like that would have been a little bit less cringy. Mm-hmm. A confession, yeah, yeah. that he loves her. I, I think so, too. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like, you don't have to, you know, I understand, like, okay, you want to get married, life's too short and whatnot, but at the end of the day, you don't, like, marriage doesn't necessarily equal love. You could just, you could be in a relationship, you know, and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you can get married eventually, like, who knows? But, like, you know, the fact that it's like, okay, like, you know, marriage means something. Like, let's get married. Like, you don't necessarily have to do that. I guess he's thinking that they've had this bond for so many years, and Keith has been there for Lucas. That all counts for something, which it does, but I don't think it leads to where he's, what he's asking right now. It, it doesn't all add up. Just because they have a past together doesn't mean, yeah, you can jump to marriage immediately. Yeah, but it's also just a platonic past. So, mm -hmm. I mean, friendship is obviously important to a marriage, but it's not the only thing. I mean, there's a lot of other aspects that go into that, yeah. and they haven't really explored any of it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. And then we get <laughs> another bombshell. <laughs> Woo, talk about cliffhangers in this episode. Brooke yes, is pregnant. The ending moments. And I feel like we can't say too much until we get to the spoiler segment. Yes. Yeah. I will say, I forgot that this happened at the end of this episode. And then when I was going back to watch it, I 
was, you know, rewatching and I got to the end and I'm like, oh my God, this is the episode that that happens in. And it actually took the episode even up another notch for me because I was like, it ends on this great bombshell. It's a good way to end the episode. Crazy, but it, wow, it definitely takes things for a bit of a turn. It explains how she was feeling the whole episode, that's for sure. Because you're not really clear why she's so depressed. Yeah. Absolutely. Something that really resonated with um, with me earlier, though, um, Mouth tells Brooke that, you know, Lucas actually is a great guy. I'm sure the two of you will work things out. And I felt like she needed that reassurance from him to be like, okay, I can talk to Lucas about this. Like, yeah, Lucas was an asshole. He cheated on me, but... I feel like he would be supportive in this situation. I should go to him and tell him that this is what's going on with me. That's such a good point, actually. I think it was kind of the the push that she needed to actually go and talk to him that evening. Yeah. I also want to know something, too. Like, how did Brooke know that he was going to be at the River Corps? <laughs> Maybe he's just always there. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like the funny thing about tv shows sometimes it's like how do you know that somebody's just gonna be there this is after midnight okay we know this is after midnight because it was just right as the boy toy auction day ended so i'm like did you just drive around thinking like maybe he'll be here okay he's here hey luke let me just drop this bombshell on you before you go to bed <laughs> well there's like only a few places that people will be either at the high school their house or the river court that's what it seems like or Carrie's Cafe. <laughs> Carrie's Cafe. Yeah. But after midnight, though, I mean... Oh, true. Wouldn't she be in bed? <laughs> I would be. You're thinking too deeply into it, Jeremy. <laughs> I know. Remember, we're closer in age to the adults. When I was 16, I was definitely up, probably on AIM <laughs> after midnight. <laughs> That's right. You used to stay up really late. Now you do not. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. I used to stay up so late. <laughs> yeah, same. But not saying something there, like, you know, at 16, I would have been up at, like, past midnight on AIM. I wouldn't be, like, on a in a basketball court in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Come on. That's true. But I don't think it would be as dramatic if Brooke just, like, you know, sent him an AIM message to be like... True. Hey, Lucas! <laughs> TTYL! <laughs> Wait, what would his screen name be? <laughs> Probably something stupid like Lucas Scott 3. Probably. It should be like broody basketball. I don't know. <laughs> what, what, would, anyway. what would Brooks have been? Brooks would have been... Um, uh, it would have had the number 69 in it. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Like, it could be like Brookie 69. How about that? Yeah. And honestly, Peyton probably would have had the best one, and her away messages would have had the best lyrics. And yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I learned to like emo music thanks to Peyton Sawyer. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Peyton would be the one who would have like those um, away status messages with like very vague song lyrics, and you every time you would log in, you'd be like, "Is this about me?" One hundred percent. Is she posting this about me? <laughs> Oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> that could be like a whole special episode. Like, what the Tree Hill kids will talk about on AIM. Oh, my oh, gosh. The 2000s. Yeah. Which, kids, if you don't know what AIM is, it was basically um, text messaging, but you could only log into your computer. You had to turn on your computer to type things to each other. Is that a good way to describe it for kids? I don't know. Yep. And then the... Yeah. And the... When you're using the internet, you couldn't use the phone. <laughs> I hated that. Oh my gosh, that's true. I hated that. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, because all like, we'd get kicked off, 
from our parents. Mm-hmm. All I wanted to do was be on AIM, and I could only be on it for a limited amount of time before someone had to use the phone. <laughs> it was wild. Oh my god. Oh, different time. All right, well, <laughs> that was a lot of fun, but let's talk about some of our top favorite moments. Ooh, I'm so excited for this part. So, what's everybody's favorite quotes? Do you want to go first, Jen? Sure. So I have an honorable mention quote and then a favorite quote. So I'll start with the honorable mention one. And the reason it's not my favorite is because I think, so it's the quote that Keith says where he shows up at Karen's door and he says, it's not too late, is it? And I like that because, yeah, he's talking about like time of day and showing up at night. But I think there is that deeper meaning of him saying it's not too late for us to like maybe try something. But it's not my favorite because I don't think he should have proposed. So I think the sentiment was there, but mm, he kind of missed the mark on it. But my favorite mm-hmm. quote is what Haley said. And it's part of a, lo- a longer speech or monologue that she has. And she says to Luke when they're having hot chocolate, I think, in the cafe, she says, I wanted to remember for a night the way that things were. And I just liked that quote. I thought it was very nostalgic. And I don't know if it's because I'm thinking back to the pre-COVID times when I could like actually do things and like hang out with my friends. But I'm like, I like that idea where like, yeah, your life moves so fast and you're doing so much stuff. And then occasionally you get back with like your really close friends from childhood or you just do something that kind of separates you from your everyday life. And you remember how things used to be outside of the hustle and bustle of every day. So I thought that was a very nice quote by her. And I think it also really related to this sent the uh, segment with Haley and Luke and everything that they were kind of going through in the episode. Oh, I like those quotes. Aww. They're really sentimental. Yeah, I loved your explanation for it too. Aww. It was like that was so wholesome. Honestly, oh, Kate, I was thinking of you with my favorite quote. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you were. <laughs> you went the sentimental Aww. route, and I, I kind of went. Yeah, it's not like super funny, but it's it's funny. Do you want me to go, Jeremy? Yeah, go ahead. You already Because <laughs> I, I don't know if you meant that this was your favorite quote too, Jeremy, but go ahead. it's what Brooke says in the limo <laughs> to Mal. Wait, did you go the slutty route? Like, okay, Jenna went the wholesome route. I went the slutty route. Wait, since when is Caitlin <laughs> no, 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 wholesome? No, 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 I didn't. Or it, Caitlin's it, slutty and I'm wholesome. <laughs> I picked this as my favorite quote because it's purely slutty. And when I say slutty, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that in like a, you know, own your sexuality type of deal, just to be clear. So that it, It's here. not that then. It's something different. Okay, go so ahead. So Brooke says, Please. here's my philosophy on dating. It's important to have somebody who can make you laugh. Somebody you can trust, somebody that, you know, turns you on. And it's really, really important that these three people don't know each other. <laughs> I loved your very wooden line reading of that. Like, should I <laughs> should, should I deliver it too? Just so like, you know, we can do like a good contrast between the two so of us. So this is your favorite quote? Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't see this one as slutty. What's slutty about it? I mean, I'll get, you go into your um, explanation, then I'll get into mine. I just love the last line of that. It's really, really important <laughs> that these three people don't know each other. <laughs> I, I found it funny because it's just, it's a good Brooke quote. That's all. Should I repeat the line and like go my, for it. in my Brooke Davis, should I do it in my Brooke Davis impression or should, will, will that be repetitive? Jenna, you're our guest. Do you want me to re- repeat the line? <laughs> I would like your best B. Davis impersonation. (laughs) Okay. Here's my philosophy on Zayden. It's important to have somebody that can make you laugh, 
somebody you can trust, somebody that, you know, turns you on. And it's really, really important that these three people don't know each other. 10 out of 10. Excellent. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I am here all week. Uh, okay so i don't know it's not necessarily like a, a slutty type of quote but like i don't know i i enjoy the quote because it's a somewhat normalized and polyamory but i mean at the end of the day i feel like brooks said these three people don't know each other it's sort of like implying like okay like you have to do like this backstabbing sort of deal like where these three people don't know each other and like i don't necessarily like that interpretation of it however let me tell you my philosophy on ethical non-monogamy Oh boy, we're really going on a totally different route here. <laughs> Caitlin's like, it was funny. It- Jeremy's like, here's my phone. It's a funny book quote. That's all I got to say about it. <laughs> so here's my whole deal with ethical non-monogamy. So when I'm at, when I say I'm ethically non-monogamous, I mean like you know I'll have like multiple partners at the at the same time. However, I feel like it's very important to me personally that, like, my partner doesn't sleep with other people that I know. That's reasonable. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, okay, like, it it is very important for these three people not to know each other. Like, you know, don't sleep with my friends. That's, like, you know, my bottom line. Mm. Or else that's, like, breaking, like, my ethical non-monogamy code. So, I don't know. So I related this quote to my personal life is all I'm saying. (laughs) No, I think you took a much more literal interpretation of it, where I I can see that now that you explain it. But when she said it, I was like, oh, she's just talking about, like, cheating on all of them and them not knowing the other. Like, I think I understood it as, like, them not knowing the other people existed, not them not knowing each other personally, but still, like, knowing that you are in several relationships at the same time and getting the, the blessing from those other people. Yeah, and the writing behind it, yeah, that was totally their intention. Like, I, yeah. th- they definitely were intended to write it that way. This was just my way of reclaiming the line, personally. So I, sh- so I took the quote and I made it into my own thing. <laughs> That's you all did, I'm Jeremy. You, did, you do you. You do you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your support. I'm sorry I didn't have a deep analysis about that one. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> All right, musical moment. What is everybody's favorite musical moments? Oh, it's ladies' night, and it's feeling right. Oh, yes, it's ladies' night. Oh, what a night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you go, Kate. Yep, so I chose Ladies' Night by Cool and the Gang because it was so fun. <laughs> that was the opening song, right? That was like, that played during the actual auction, right? It played during the auction. It wasn't the first song that played. It was when, I think, wait, now I'm getting, because they played multiple songs. I think that's when Nathan came out. Okay, that's appropriate. Yeah, I think you're right. That that was my favorite. I, I thought it just built a lot of excitement for the auction and... It's just a fun song, like, period. (laughs) That is And I I love the moment as well. Because, like we said, like, the beginning of this episode really just places you right into the action. And I don't know, I like the musical choices overall, but that one really stood out to me. Hmm. That's funny you say that, because I feel like the one thing I don't love about this episode is the music. And maybe it's because I love the, like, emo 2000s music that I feel like One Tree Hill is almost known for. And I definitely think of when I think of One Tree Hill, but it didn't have as many of those songs. It was more that like 
fun yeah. song that you hear at the start of the episode. So it was challenging for me to pick a musical moment. And I feel like that's usually one of the easiest things for me to pick in an episode. But the one I did go with is the Ryan Adams song, Note to Self, Don't Die. And it's playing Sam. the... Did you? Yeah. Nice, Jeremy. <laughs> Sam. I just, I love the montage that's playing. It's not at the end of the episode. It's in the, kind of the middle of the episode. And uh, Peyton and Nathan are splashing around in the pool and it's just fun i think it fits what's going on in the episode really well during that scene oh totally yeah like it was just like a fun high energy song for the moment and i I just loved it for that reason personally so that was the one when they're nathan and peyton are splashing in the pool and then lucas and Haley are having the water balloon fight or the milk balloon fight depending on how you want to make it (laughs) oh yeah But yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was just flashing back between those two scenes, though, and like I don't know, it was just like a high energy fun moment. So wow, yeah, but yes, completely agree. Everything you just said, Jenna, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so. Excellent. I knew we'd agree on so much. I think if you like Jake Jagelski, you're just like same wavelength. Same wavelength. Caitlin's here to yeah. get uh, replaced as the as the co-host. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm never forgiving you now. I'm also never going to be invited back. Kate's going to X me out of her life. See ya. I don't want to talk to either of you again. And I. <laughs> You're totally welcome back, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so funny if it was just like we ended up recording like the rest of the series and Caitlin will be like, okay, Jeremy, when are we recording episode, season one, episode 19? We're like, me and Jenna already did, did every episode. <laughs> We have to be like really jam packed, like I don't know, like four episodes a day. Oh my, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Holy moly! <laughs> All right, moving forward, right. our ratings for the episode. So I feel like I don't. All right, I give it a four out of five trick truces because in the last episode in one seventeen, I rated it out of cheer truces. So I felt I felt that was funny. Trick truces? What does that mean? Trick truce. When Haley and Lucas were playing the or doing the water balloon oh, fight, and okay, Lucas was like, "Is it a real truce or is it a trick truce?" That's cute. So I give it a four that out of five. Cute. I think it's a strong episode. It's really funny, and I almost wanted to give it a five. I don't know. When I give an episode a five, I have like this feeling, and I can't really describe what that feeling is. About the episode, and I love this one. Don't get me wrong; it's definitely one of my favorites in the season. But I don't, I don't know. I just didn't have this like attachment to it. Like I've given others some five out of fives. But overall, I love it. What about you guys? But speak for yourself, because I give it a five out of five milk balloon fights. <laughs> nice, because. This episode is just so much fun for me. Like, I know we talked about, like, you know, some of the subtle, more problematic moments, but, and, you know, usually I will make a score go lower, but, like, I feel like it just doesn't alter the fun aspects of this episode for me. Yeah. I love seeing all these characters get together. The characters that you don't, that you haven't seen together very often, you know, like, um, we see Peyton and Nathan together in different contexts. We see Lucas and Haley together, and, uh... For, for, like, the first time in a while as friends. And, of course, Brooke and Mouth. Like, I love seeing those two together. And it's just, I love this episode so, so much. Yeah, I actually completely agree. I was going to give it a four, but I decided to go with five out of five lap dances in a Tree Hill strip club. <laughs> <laughs> 
And honestly, with I side just, boob, with side boob, <laughs> Su- subtle, subtle side boob. Yes. Um, <laughs> going into rewatching it, I thought I was going to give it a four, and then when I was watching it back, I just remembered how much I love this episode, and I think the cliffhangers kind of do it for me because not only is it entertaining all the way through, but you have these two cliffhangers at the end that are just really interesting and they make you want to keep watching and I also realized this is I think the episode I think of the most in season one I think it's probably the one that I first think of when I think of the season and for that I just I had to go with a five out of five which I kind of agree with Caitlin it is very rare for me to give an episode a five so this was big (laughs) definitely yeah but yeah, Chad, I completely agree with you, though, about how you said, like, it's a fun episode and then you get the cliffhangers. I feel like that's what is going to make you come back for the next episode, because this episode could have just been a standalone episode where it's like, okay, like, you know, we have some fun shit happening. Great. Yep. Ends. But nope, they had to add the cliffhangers, so they make you come back for more. Yeah, 100%. And it's just so good. But wow, Jenna, look at us. Favorite, same favorite musical moment, same favorites, same score. Wow. Oh. <laughs> We're just really bonding. <laughs> Caitlin, I know we shared the same we shared the same quote. Okay, I got it. We bonded there. Yeah. <laughs> and we started a podcast together, so <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, we're good. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you had fun. Oh my gosh, this was fantastic. I had so much fun. Thank you guys for allowing me to have my podcast debut. I loved, <laughs> loved, loved talking to you both and chatting about One Tree Hill. Yes, and we will definitely have you back. And um, we will see you during the spoiler segment. Ooh, I'm ready for I'm it. I'm so glad you joined us, best friend. <laughs> Thank you, best friend. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. That's always O-T-H-P-O-D. You can follow Jeremy Rodriguez on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. You can follow Caitlin Illinich on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans, new and old, find us. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment. This is your final reminder to turn off this podcast if you do not want spoilers. Woo! Yeah, Caleb, when you said trick truces, I thought you were talking about trick, like the like the club trick. Same. No. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what? That's when I was like caught off guard a little bit. I'm like, huh? <laughs> I know. Well, see, in the previous episode, Brooke said cheer truce. So then yeah, I heard I, yeah, I understand Lucas you now. <laughs> in this episode say trick truce. I'm like, I need to do that one. That's funny. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're establishing a brand. I gotcha. I <laughs> All right. So. First up, let's talk about uh, Brooke's pregnancy, quote unquote, because she turns out to not be pregnant in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, this is such a cringe-worthy storyline, and I always kind of yep. forget about it because it's this little blip in the grand scheme of things. Like it only lasts for like one episode. She finds out she's not pregnant, but then she uses it against Lucas and tells him that he is. 
or that she is. Yep. It's just so wrong. Brooke, why'd you do that? I, I understand in the moment. Why I don't she have space for that. No, that's that's playing with people's <laughs> feelings. And that's really like, OK, let's think about how Lucas was conceived in high school. <laughs> like, you're not thinking about that. I, I know Brooke is like operating on her emotions. She's pissed off and she's using that to get back at him. But from Lucas's perspective, this is devastating because this, this is not what his mother wanted for him ever. You know, he has had a good life, but there's obviously been some obstacles and an absent father and Yeah, but uh, just But it's not like she lies about being pregnant though. Because she genuinely does believe that she's pregnant. Initially, but because, then she lies that yeah. the results are confirmed. Well, she doesn't actually say the results are confirmed now because I okay, so I she remember this scene. She leads him vividly. to believe that she is pregnant. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah, not gonna she, go around that. She definitely does. Yeah, she definitely misleads him. Yeah, she withhold, she withholds the truth, definitely. Because there's the scene in the next episode where um where Lucas tells Brooke, he's like, How do you even know how do I even know that it's mine? And that's when Brooke gets that phone call right then and there. And then I, I feel like that's where we're led to believe that she gets confirmation that she's in fact not pregnant. Yeah. But all she says is it's definitely yours. So she was essentially saying, like, you know what, I, like, the fact that Lucas slut-shamed me right here, I'm not going to give him the satisfaction that, like, hey, he's fine. I'm going to let him, like, mull on it for a little bit. Because at the end of the day, Lucas did slut-shame Brooke. So I understand why she's angry. Like, yeah, maybe she shouldn't have kept it a secret for that long, by any means. But I understand why she was angry in that moment. And I'm glad she does come clean. I think you have the right to ask, though, if it's yours. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's slut-shaming. In itself. What's Lucas asking now? I don't remember his exact words. Obviously, I have to rewatch the episode. But I don't think asking someone that, is this mine? I don't think that... Lucas says, how do I even know if it's mine? He says, I know you've had sex with other people before. Yeah, I mean, I actually do think it's fair for him to ask. It's not like they're currently dating. And we're all well aware that Brooke is a sexual person. So maybe his delivery probably was not the best yeah. that it could be. But I do think that he he has the right to ask that question, especially because they're not currently in a monog- monogamous relationship. I think that's fair, that his delivery was poor, but... Yeah. But at the end of that, he I, I want to make that clear, though. He was not asking if it was his. He just says, how do I know if it's mine? Which I feel like the implication behind that is really... Yeah, the delivery of it. Yeah, the delivery <laughs> was terrible. Like, absolutely. And then, I mean, at the end of the episode, Lucas ends up coming through to her and says, like, you know what, no, I will take care of this baby, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then that's when Brooke confesses, like, I lied, I thought I was pregnant, and now I'm not. But look what Lucas has to do. To, he has to tell his mom. And they go through all of that emotional turmoil. Oh my Oh gosh, I God. forgot about that. Like scene. if only Brooke had yeah. said no, then they mom would never have had to know have known that it even happened. I don't know. I'm the kind of person I'm like Lucas deserved to suffer a little bit for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm bad. I don't think he had to suffer for that. I think that's devastating news as a teenager. Or anyone who yeah. anyone who doesn't want to have a baby or you know. Yeah. I have space for both of your viewpoints. Drink. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> R- R- rather than saying I have space for what's happened on the show, I'm going to say like I have space yeah. for what's happened in the podcast. Because <laughs> like, yeah, I, I totally, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. It's it yeah. is a lot. Yeah, I do think that she probably 
in the heat of the moment reacted in that way. But then it kind of dragged on for a little bit longer and she should have shut that down. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about the other bombshell that happens. Karen and Keith. Now, Kayla and I have talked a lot about Karen and Keith, like, <laughs> up to this point, Jenna. So, like, we want to hear more from you. <laughs> what are your thoughts on everything? On everything. I mean, there's so much to <laughs> unpack Very broad. with them. There's a lot to unpack with their relationship. It's like you want them to be together so badly, but you you completely see their viewpoints too. I think especially in this episode, you see Karen's viewpoint. You're like, no, I'm mad at you. Why would I accept your proposal? And she doesn't. So then Keith is kind of led to think, okay, this is done. And then he can kind of go on and move on, which he does. I mean, later in this season, he sleeps with Deb. (laughs) And Mm. then there's the whole um, Jules storyline, which comes about. So it takes a little while for Karen and Keith to make their way back to each other. I mean, they eventually do, but... And it's short-lived. Yeah. yeah it's so short-lived. It's heart-wrenching, no matter the way you put Ugh. it, honestly. Yeah. It's such a sad storyline. And I love Keith. Like, I want Karen to say yes to the proposal. Oh, she's not going to. I mean... Because you know the future, you know, that they will end up back together. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's also kind of sad, though, because you see that their relationship is so short-lived, though, and, you know, part of you just wants to be like, Karen, just say yes. But at the same time, like, okay. But at the same time, it's like, okay, Karen, but you also need to go through your own emotional process and journey, so you totally should have the space. Feel free. Just do it. Do it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think even watching this, I want Karen to say yes. Yeah. I just, I think it's kind of obvious that she won't. Totally. Agreed. I feel like Karen is also, um, because I actually thought about a scene in season three where it was like right after, um, right after Keith's funeral, I believe. And then Whitey is talking to Karen and Whitey tries to compare uh, Karen and Keith's situation to his situation with Camilla. And then... Karen says, you and Camilla had years together. Keith and I only had a few weeks. And then Whitey's like, well, whose fault is that? Ooh, I don't remember that scene. I do remember that. Karen slaps him during that scene because it's like... Oh, man. I mean... Yeah, it's like toward the end of season three. I get it, but Karen does waste a lot of time trying... I mean, Keith knows what he wants. Karen doesn't. And then all this time is wasted in between. I get it, but I just hate the fact that like people are trying to like guilt trip Karen for that sort of end. No, yeah, that wasn't right for Whitey to say that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad she slapped him. So I feel like it was like, it was being addressed in the narrative. So I'm like, okay, I mm-hmm. I have space for this. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> for that particular storyline. Do we think, because we know Karen and Keith, they had their airport kiss, but that obviously is only a couple episodes into the season. And theoretically, their whole lives were taking place before the show started. So are we supposed to think that This whole time, Keith has just had a crush on Karen, and Karen hasn't even entertained the idea until recently. Was she too focused on Luke? Was was it something else? Because, yeah, like, she wastes a lot of time between now, like, in in current time in season one, and then to season three. But she's also theoretically wasted 16 years. (laughs) That's Mm. a good point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Were they just friends the whole time and she just didn't even think about dating? I don't know. I guess so. I guess she really was focused on Lucas. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's honestly what it was. I think she was just, like, so hyper-focused on, like, raising her child. And honestly, like, I mean, let's face it, the guy she was with previously burned her, like, very badly. Oh, sure. The brother of Keith. (laughs) Yeah, so so I'm pretty sure, like, that gave her a lot of trauma to the point where it's like, hey, I can't do this. I can't date anybody. I have to focus on my son. So I understand that. Um, It's had to have been, like, a thought of hers, though. Like, you know what? He's a great guy. Maybe we should... Yeah. Maybe we should get together. But she's like, nope, nope, I can't do it. I can't make that weird for Lucas. And then, I mean, early on in season one, Lucas essentially gives the okay and says, like, you know, I'd be okay with it. And I feel like that was the moment that, that was the thing that Karen needs to hear. Yeah. Because maybe, like, the 16 years prior to that, Lucas never gave, like, quote-unquote approval. That's a really good point. It's true. Well, let's talk about a not-so-romantic couple. Jake and Nikki. Jake deserves so much better. Yeah. Just give us give us your feelings about Jake, unfiltered, up until season three. Oh, yeah. No, he's definitely my favorite. I think he was my favorite the whole time. Like, I like him better than Lucas and Nathan. I actually love Jake with Peyton. I think- Yes! That- oh, no, I completely do. I think that the show leads you to want Lucas and Peyton together ever since the pilot. You know, he almost runs into her. They have this whole weird vibe thing going on. And you're like, okay, that's the couple that's supposed to get together. But I love Peyton and Jake. Like, I would have been perfectly fine with a Brooke and Lucas situation if and only if it meant that Jake and Peyton were going to wind up together. So. I agree. Yeah. I I love Jake. I think he's the nicest of the guys. I think he's, like, attractive, but not in, like, the Chad Michael Murray, like, attractive. I don't know. I just think, like, he's not, like, poster child like yeah. super super attractive he has this like really like he's cute i don't know i think he's very yeah he's very he's cute really i think he's cute. very good looking he's yeah. really really adorable yeah oh, he's like yeah this, so chad Mari would be the type of guy who you would like you know you would fuck around with yep. like jake would be the relationship guy oh i would definitely have a relationship with jake <laughs> With Lucas, I'd be like, hey, like, do you want to get it on? Jake, I'd be like, do you want to get married? Do you want to just, oh. like, cuddle? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to, I would cuddle the shit out of Jake Jagelski. <laughs> <laughs> you two can have your own little moment here about Jake. I mean, I love him, too, but not as much as you two. <laughs> oh. Wait, then who's your favorite of the guys, Caitlin? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I I realize that Lucas and Nathan, they both have their issues, but I I, I like them. But you had to pick your favorite right now. Yeah. Lucas. Interesting. Okay. And I know Jeremy has a lot of issues with Lucas. (laughs) (laughs) The the more I watch, the the more I watch the show now, I keep thinking like, I I hate Lucas so much. Like, I don't hate Chad Chad Michael Murray. I love Chad Michael Murray. Lucas, though. I'm just saying, like, the dude could do better. Oh, Chad. <laughs> See, I think that's why I like Lucas so much, because Jen Michael Murray, I can't separate the two, honestly. Oh my gosh. Do, do we have any other um, Jake thoughts, though, in general, other than the fact that he's perfect? I think I said at the beginning, I was hoping Peyton would win him in the boy toy auction i totally get that they had to move the storyline along with nikki and jake and i think it was a good pairing um it was very entertaining obviously but i do want to see more of peyton and jake and obviously i 
love once they get together. So this is like one of the first episodes where you see a hint of what's to come, I'd say. I mean, they have fire. They do. They do. They do. I'm not going to deny it. I know. The episode where they first have sex, whoo, I'm telling you, it is hot. That scene is fire. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wow. So good. The story of the year, Sod. Oh, I hear the yeah. song in my head. Oh, yes. Mm. <laughs> I hear the song in my head. That's just a scene that's just like very pleasure- pleasurable. That sounds like a weird way to say it, but like it is very pleasurable to watch. Like it's uncomfortable because they're both supposed to be 17, but you know, I just. I know. <laughs> I can't deny <laughs> it. <laughs> so true. But yeah, um, I've mentioned this before that I feel like um, Jake and Peyton would have ended up together if Brian Greenberg wasn't starting to have a movie career. Because right around the time with One Tree Hill, he started like yeah. starring a bunch of movies. And his musical career started taking off more, too. I think he had a... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he had an album come out in like 2006 or seven, which probably is... what he He left the show, what, like end of season three? So it's around the same time. Yeah, but I feel like he was, like, he was planning to be, like, an A-list celebrity. I don't think it really... Mm. I mean, he still works, by all means, yeah. but he didn't really... He did become the next Oscar-winning actor, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. This is my final thought on this. I think the show was building Lucas and Peyton throughout the whole thing. I don't buy in to the fact that they were actually going to go with Peyton and Jake. Maybe they would have created a longer storyline with them. Then maybe it would have gone into season four, but I, I think it would always have turned around to Lucas. As much as I want Peyton and Jake together, I actually agree with Caitlin. I think from episode one, they were building for those two characters to be together. I agree to an extent. I feel like it would have been a really interesting subversion now if they decided to go in the other direction, where it was mm-hmm. Lucas and Brooke and then Peyton and Jake. I feel like it would have been really a, a great subversion of expectations if they did it that way. Yeah. Because... I have a lot of thoughts about Lucas and Brooke that I'm going to get into, like, as we get deeper into it. I don't think Lucas and Brooke would have ever made it. Okay. You're entitled to your raw opinion, Caitlin. Uh, (laughs) I don't think they would have. All right, let's move on. We're all allowed to have our valid opinions. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're all allowed to have our valid opinions, and we are allowed to, like, still love each other. (laughs) Damn. Okay, um, so for this episode, we compiled our top three favorite bottle episodes of One Tree Hill, because this Boy Toy Auction episode is the quote-unquote first bottle episode. And we're using that term pretty loosely, so if you don't know what a bottle episode is, it's technically an episode that's confined to one location. And I feel like um, a lot of One Tree Hill's episodes are... They're not necessarily confined to one location, but they're really confined to, like, one situation. So I feel like, you know, we're using that term very loosely, so we're just going to say bottle-ish episodes. <laughs> so let's talk about our favorite bottle-ish episodes. Jenna, since you're our guest, you want to tell us your top three? Sure. Okay. I am super excited to chat about this. I find that some of these episodes to be some of my favorite throughout the entire series. So Same. It was challenging to pick them. But there were three that stood out to me right from the start, and I am going with them. So I will go three, two, one. So for my third, I'm doing the quote-unquote Dare Night episode, which is I Will Dare, season two, episode five. I love that episode. It's just one of those episodes that I instantly think of with Wondery Hill. Caitlin and I actually loved it so much that we created our own version of Dare Night. (laughs) 
She told me about that, and that is wild. (laughs) With our friends at the end of high school, so it kind of has that personal connection, too. But I love that episode. For season two, now, I hope you guys consider this as a bottle-ish episode. I did use the term pretty loosely, but I'm going to say it's the season five flashback episode. So it's called I Forgot to Remember to Forget. Season five, episode five. And it's the episode. I know exactly which one you were saying as soon as you started. I was like, yeah, that's the one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's the episode where it's like, it's five episodes in and they did the big time jump from uh, season four at the end of high school, then four years in the future. And it's that episode where you get a glimpse of what happened in those four years since high school ended and their lives four years in the future started. So I love this episode. I remember watching season five and waiting for this episode because I just wanted to get some of those holes filled. I was like, how did this all happen? And it kind of all came together. So I really like that episode. Yeah, this is the one where um where Lucas proposed to Peyton, right? That that flashback. Yeah. I yeah, love that episode bad. too. And I didn't know if it would be considered a bottle episode, but I, I thought about it. I think I got too tripped up on the bottle episode thing. So I called it that because I feel like you could theoretically watch the whole season five and not watch that episode and the plot would pretty much stay consistent. Oh, yeah. that's true. It's like you're confined to Lucas's point of view for mm. that episode. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, I'd say bottle-ish. Like I said, like I said, everybody, we are using this term very loosely. Yeah, yeah. it's okay to take a different <laughs> perspective. I might have chosen that if I had yeah. thought about it that way. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you'll you'll take it. I do love that yeah, episode. I'll take it. Another bottle up. Ep- I didn't put this in my ranking. Another good uh, bottle episode for season five is the episode where they're all trapped in the library. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that episode. <laughs> I love that episode. Oh, my gosh. And Skin delivers the pizza. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, so yeah. Good. I didn't think of that one as a bottle episode. Yeah, that, that's true. Because, I mean, it's not confined to the library for the whole episode, but for yeah. most of it, yeah, it's there, you know. But yeah, so what's your number one? So my number one is Pictures of You, season four, episode 13. It is the oh. episode where they're given a class assignment to pair up and, like, share their deep, dark secrets and hopes and dreams for the future with each other. And it leads to several interesting pairings, kind of like this episode, the boy toy episode does, And I love this episode because there's some excellent voiceovers in this episode. I just remember it's about like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I just love that concept. And then there's that iconic photo because they all have to take pictures at the end that like represent where they are in that time and place. And there's that iconic photo of like Brooke in a white shirt. And she has like the words written all over her. And it's like all the, the adjectives of what you're supposed to be. I just think that is... A very iconic image that might help people remember what this episode is, but I I love this episode. It was the first one that came to mind, and I remember really enjoying it. I thought mm-hmm. about that one, too. Yeah, and the scene where Nathan is um, laying down on the floor with, like, shirtless and yes. two basketballs in his hands. That's another iconic <laughs> image, show. Not just yes. because he's shirtless, but it is yeah. an iconic image. The images are honestly quite corny in a sense, but I still love the sentimental value behind it. Love, yeah, I love that episode. That was my number three pick for oh, nice. All of the reasons you just said, actually, I just liked all the like the parents that she didn't typically get. You know, Lucas mm-hmm. and Glenda, Peyton and Nathan, yep. Haley and Skills, Brooke and Chase, and Alf and Shelley. It's like I just love that. Was your that. number three? You said yeah, 
That was my number three, yeah. Should I just roll in, say yeah. my number two and my number one? Sure, okay. yep. <laughs> Natural transition. My number two is season eight, episode 11, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Mm. And that's the episode where um, Brooke gets into the car accident, falls off that's the That's my number two. Oh and my gosh. That's my number two. Uh, <laughs> I was so on edge the entire yep. episode. I was so nervous. Yeah, so then Quinn gets attacked by Katie. Yep. Oh my god. It's so dramatic. It's so, so good. Like, I always love, like, the horror movie type episodes of One Tree Hill. Like, even the season four episode where um, Derek attacks Peyton. Yep. I really love that episode, too. I feel bad about that because I know Hillary Burns didn't love that storyline at all. She yeah. hated it. But I do love that episode specifically just because the horror movie. But yeah, season eight, episode 11. I I just love that because it's, like, so, so fucking intense. It's, it comes ugh, out of nowhere, it. It too. That episode is yeah. thrown in the middle of the season, and then r- the next one, it's like, things are back to normal, and it's not even addressed yep. that all that just happened. Yeah. It's <laughs> it was the mid-season finale, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then when Quinn says, I'm your storm, <laughs> I'm like, Quinn, yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's a good one. But my number one is... Season 3, episode 16, with tired eyes, tired minds, tired souls, we slept. That's my number one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, we agreed on stuff we in this did, episode. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I obviously love that episode, but I just, I don't know. There's something about it where I like didn't want to include it in these episodes. I don't know why. It's obviously an excellent episode, but mm-hmm. maybe I just didn't want to do like sad episodes. <laughs> but because <laughs> like the episodes I chose are more like fun or things like that. But obviously that episode is excellent. I almost put that one as like one of the top episodes ever of One Tree Hill, and I didn't even just like want to include it in this discussion for my list anyway. It's just yeah. so pivotal to the series. I know. I couldn't not include it. That's fair. You, you, you know, Jenna, you say, like, you know, you chose the episodes that brought you joy. Like, I I pretty much did the same thing, which is, I mean, kind of funny, the fact that I chose, like, the horror movie episode, and I chose this episode, but, uh, <laughs> but like, I, I feel like this episode's very cathartic. Just the absolute sadness that you feel. Like, I don't know, like, whenever hmm. I need a good cry, I will watch this episode, personally. Interesting. So, I don't know, I, I, like, it feels, it, it feels kind of good to watch this episode sometimes. It's weird. Like, I have a lot of weird emotions toward it. Yeah, it's a, a complex episode. Yeah, that episode's like the storm episode for me. It just gives me anxiety and makes me nervous, and I don't, <laughs> I don't like feeling like that. <laughs> I totally got you. <laughs> so, Caitlin and I, we like to feel anxious, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Supposedly. <laughs> so, my number three... Since I already shared, Jeremy and I had the same number two and number one. My number three is season three, episode 13, The Wind That Blew My Heart Away. Mm, I forgot about that Which is when the power goes out in Tree Hill. And once again, you see like different people paired up with each other. And I specifically think of Haley and Nathan eating i think they're eating like mac and cheese in the dark and they're like reconnecting still yep then they make out on the car outside in the rain so that was like a big oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. oh i almost want to re-rank this because i'm like i forgot about that episode <laughs> that's a good one though yeah yeah lucas and brooke 
they had that argument in the rain and Lucas is trying to assure her that he loves her and everything. And then I believe there was a scene or there were scenes with Peyton and Ellie, which I always loved those scenes too. Yes. That's that's the episode where Ellie dies. I forgot about that episode. No, that's not the episode she dies, is it? Oh, it is, yeah. Are you sure? I am like 99.9% positive. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, then that's even better that I chose that because I that was yeah. a really powerful scene. I need to go rewatch that episode. I completely forgot about that one. I mean, season three is just so good. I had a VHS um, recording of that episode. Oh, wow. And I watch an episode over and over again. Like, I don't know why, but like, I just, I loved watching it. Yeah, okay, yeah, I just I just verified I was right. Yeah, that is the episode where Ellie died. 313. Oh, oh wow. gosh. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, glad I chose that then. You, we just both like to be anxious <laughs> all around. It, you really did. That is so funny. You guys went with, like, the super sad episodes. And then, <laughs> well, except for Jeremy's number three. And then all of mine yeah. were, like, the fun ones. That's okay. Yeah, that was the only exception for me. I'm like, yeah, yeah this is a fun we one. We had some diversity there of different episodes. That's good, oh, though. totally. I think we also touched on some of, like, the best episodes in the entire series. Mm -hmm. For sure. So, so good. But, like, our opinions on the series can change as we get into it. So, like, really, like, you know, we may say this ranking now, but maybe later on we'll say something different. So, honestly, how can you be sure? (laughs) How can you be sure is also the next episode that we will be discussing, which will be in your ears next week. According to our One Tree Hill DVD box sets, is history repeating itself? Brooke is pregnant, and Lucas finds himself in the same situation Dan faced years ago. Karen turns down Keith's proposal, and Nikki tries to force her way into Jake's life. We'll, we'll be, be seeing ya. Ya.